Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the FIO podcast with your host, Maddie Mad Dog Forberg, the podcast where we break apart the stigma that everyone has it figured out but you. So let's figure it out together. In this week's episode, we have the amazing guest, Jake Juan Hosey, who is currently going to school at the University of South Florida. He's a philosopher, a storyteller, a hip hop theorist. And in this episode, he talks with us about the very tragic accident that happened to him last year. He lost his girlfriend in this accident, but also had to relearn how to walk. It's a beautiful and emotional story of growth, not only in himself internally, but in his relationships, in his belief in himself, and in his faith. We can learn so much from this incredible human being that is Jaquan and his story. So I hope you enjoy this this episode. Um, we are uploading a video that he posted. It's how I found him. He went viral from this. It's you know a story kind of encompassing his his growth from learning how to rewalk again. And if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it before this episode, please go check that out on my page or his page. And as always, please follow us, subscribe. And give us a review of five stars and tell us what you like about this. I will put Jaquan's information and we have a GoFundMe link in the information of this podcast episode. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, Jaquan, to the podcast. We are so lucky to have you here today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Um, all right. So do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, well, I don't know where should I start. Uh, my name is Jaquan Hosey. I am from Tampa, Florida. Um, I'm currently a college student at the University of South Florida. Uh, I'm, I'm a double major in philosophy and African-American studies. And yeah, that's kind of like a quick intro to, my, to who I am. That's awesome. What are you looking to do with those majors? Because as different as they are, they both sound really interesting. Yeah, um, so I, I'm, I'm really into uh, education, like in general, but I definitely want to sort of, um, I guess, navigate my way through academia and, um, God willing become a college professor. Wow. That's a huge goal. That's incredible. Would you want to stay in Florida to do that? Um, yeah, it's like, yeah, no, I think (laughs) one of the places that I said I would move if, if I were to ever, um, go out, venture outside of Florida is Chicago. Oh, wow. um, yeah, but uh, if 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 Florida is a place that I can kind of find a liking to as far as building a future, I ha- I would have no problem living here. Have you been to Chicago before? Yeah, I actually interned there for like two two summers. Oh wow! Like in the city? Yeah, it was a, it was really really nice time. Oh really? I, I'm from Illinois, so it's always nice to hear people's perspective of Chicago because just living around there, you kind of get used to it, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But that's cool that you like it. That's awesome. Um, so I, I came across you because of that video. Um, and I remember opening up my phone. It was early in the morning. I think it was like 10 in the morning or something. And that video of you after your accident was on there. And since then, it's really blown up, which is that's pretty awesome for you that people are really seeing your your progress and hearing about your story. Um, do you mind talking with us a little bit about what happened? Yeah, that's fine. So. um. Uh, the accident was almost next month. We'll make it a year. It was a, it was almost a year ago, last June, June twenty fourth. Um, so I was on the way to Miami. Yeah, I was on the way to Miami, and I was in like it was like a really fatal sort of fatal nine car pileup kind of wow. thing. And so like a semi truck was was coming down the highway at like think like sixty eight miles an hour. And it, I, the most it did was slow down, but it didn't stop. Wow. And it ended up hitting like hitting one car and the car that it hit hit my car. And I was spent like right in the direction of the semi truck. So, um, yeah. And then I went like my car, I, my car was hit and, uh, and my girlfriend, she was sitting right next to me and she passed away. Um, I'm so sorry. And I was in a coma for like two weeks following the day of the accident. And then I woke up in the house. Once I woke up in the hospital, I realized what was going on and where I was at. And um, following that, I was just in a wheelchair from June for from like the middle of July up until maybe like November, like the end of the middle of December. Man. And then I moved to a cane and then I moved, well, I moved to a, a four point cane. 
and a single point cane. And then I now I can move without it. I still carry the cane, but I can move without it, honestly. Wow. But it was um. It was, I had like a lot of sort of like health issues to kind of get over and like body changes. But for the most part, I've been like progressing really, really well. Still in physical therapy, but everything's kind of coming along really good. So, you know, I can't complain. Wow, man. God bless. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. And I mean, not only with on the podcast, but, you know, alive, because that sounds like it was such a traumatic accident in so many ways. I'm yes. I'm so sorry to hear about your girlfriend. That must have been really terrible. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, um, they thought that once I was sort of walking again or sort of like physically able to do a lot that I guess the journey was over. But it was like there was. I think I think this the mental and emotional and even spiritual healing takes like a longer time than the physical healing does. And I think that was what a lot of people kind of missed. They thought that once I was walking again, that I was fine. But it was like not nah, outside of physical therapy. I had to kind of see a, um, an actual therapist and and, and you know, kind of do a lot of different things. And I think one of the things that I tried not to do was uh, was uh, just take a lot of medication because I think that probably wouldn't have helped me as much as. The other things that I things that I did. So um I early on I stopped taking like the pain pills and a lot of the medication that the doctors have put me on only because I didn't what well what they would do to my body for one and two I didn't want to kinda of get hooked on anything. And that's like another uphill battle in itself. So it was yeah. it was that was that was thing that was the battle I was trying to prevent myself from having to fight. So Man, and that's that's such a smart decision because we know how addictive painkillers can be. I mean, you can go from having just like a simple backache for a while to having this lifelong terrible addiction. So yeah. I mean, good for you for prioritizing your mental health. Um, what was that hospital time like for you? I know you said that you were in a coma um, for two weeks, which, you know, it, it it is still an extremely long time to be in a coma. That is crazy for your body. Um how how was that experience like for you? I mentioned to you that my sister had been um, in an accident. She had been in a coma. Um, I've done a whole episode on this before. But as an outside perspective, um, visiting my sister, it was really amazing to see what her hospital care was like. Did you feel like the people around you were really supportive in that time? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that a lot of them kind of built like a personal sort of, well, within the time I was there, they built like a personal relationship with me. Because, you know, when you're in the hospital for so long, you have for like a long time, you have to see the same nurses because mm-hmm. of their shifts. So like the same nurses kind of like cycle through um, like day after day or night after night. So you kind of just start to talk to them more. Um, and, and for the most part, it was it was it wasn't it wasn't rough. Yeah, I, I was taken care of for the most part. You know, I had I really had no complaints as far as the nurses in the hospital and the procedures and that kind of thing. And only thing was the hospital was. Cause the accident took place like 45 minutes out from where I live. Mm. So the hospital was very, like very far. And then cause of COVID restrictions, my family couldn't come see me and that kind of thing. So, which it wasn't an issue with the hospital, but I think it was just an issue in general with me just wanting to see my family and, and that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, the experience was, it was definitely strange. I think waking up the most, one of the most traumatic parts was just waking up and not knowing where I am and sort of just hearing the beeping and, hearing people in the hallway and just being really just confused and and sort of transitioning from like confusion to curiosity as far as like what's going on and being told I was in a, I was in an accident. I think that was, that was very like, it was very shocking, but I was just like, what do you mean accident? And, you know, and it was, I just had a lot of questions like early on, like just waking up, it went from like confusion to just like, what is going on? Where am I? What happened? And that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it was a lot of different different feelings I kind of like cycled through. And when you woke up from that, did you remember the accident at all? Or had that kind of been blocked out and people helped you piece it back together? Yeah, that, that's I think that's one of the strange things, too, is I I actually have not, none, if not much memory um, from the day like at all. And even... Like prior to that day, just there's maybe like one or two days in June that I can actually remember like vividly at the most three days. So it was. um, Yeah. And I mean, doctors kind of said that maybe as as time goes on, like things will start to connect and I can kind of remember certain things again. But yeah, I don't have much memory. I don't have I don't have any memory at all from that day. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of my a lot of my memory was gone and is gone. 
And that's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time, because of course we, we would never want you to relive that kind of pain, but I'm sure for you to be able to grieve, it might help to put pieces back together too, huh? Definitely, definitely. Mm. And so then because you didn't remember, I'm sure you didn't really know what had happened with your girlfriend. I'm sure that was really confusing to wake up and wondering, you know, why isn't she right next to me? Yeah. And I think that, that, ended, that also was, um, maybe the worst part of that experience, just as far as being in there for one, being in there so long before I could go home and then kind of like sitting in there and like living with it, living in that reality of, um, cause I remember like the day of, um, the day I find out I was kind of like talking to my parents and I just casually brought up her name and I asked about her. My mom kind of broke it to me and I, and I think I was so hurt because for one, it was, I mean, I was hurt for a lot of reasons because the reality, she, I mean, she passed away, but also because was, I was confused as to why can't I remember anything. Mm. And yeah, it was just, it was just all of that kind of hit me at once. It's, it was that as well as like, could I have, did I, or could I have done anything to protect her or, you know, it, it was just a lot of kind of thoughts that went through my head that kind of that really made it worse. And yeah, so I think that was that's kind of how I mean, I ended up um, handling it not as well as I thought I was like maybe in the, like as time went on, I began to handle it well. But in the moment, yeah, it was definitely um, it definitely like did it did more to me than what had already been done. Just probably waking up in the hospital. Did you. When you woke up, did it was there a lot of time that passed before you knew what happened to her? Was it like days, weeks, or were you told kind of that day when you woke up? I think it was like maybe a day or two. Mm. Man, I, I can't even imagine what kind of feelings I would be going through at that time because, of course, you never want to let yourself get into this hole where you're thinking that you're guilty and that you could have done this and that. But, I mean, in that scenario, it's not like you could have done anything to stop that truck. Yeah. Wow. How did you really cope with all of the emotions of that loss, but also the physical loss that you were experiencing as well? Um, it was, it was, I mean, kind of like, like, like we mentioned earlier, it was, I know for the most part, the doctor definitely was, they were, um, giving me like trying to give me like a, not trying to, but they would prescribe me a lot of like medication that would help me sort of navigate through like maybe some kind of phases I would go through. But for me, it was deciding to like not take a lot of it, if not all of it, and kind of let allow myself to like feel every emotion that my body kind of felt just and just sort of embrace those feelings and don't run from them and kind of sit within them and just navigate through them and kind of sort through how I'm feeling and why am I feeling this way. And then I think allowing myself, allowing myself to feel all of those things, it kind of helped me for the most part. Rather, it, it helped me rather than hurt me. Mm. So I think definitely it was just allowing myself to feel. Um, embracing my feelings, navigating my emotions. Um, and because these are real feelings that your body experiences. And I feel like trying to run from these feelings or like not allowing my body to feel them, it's like those are like, these emotions are like God given. Like God gave us these, I believe God gave us these emotions to feel and sort of navigate. So I wouldn't run from those kinds of things. I just let myself feel them. And I think that honestly helped me more than hurt me. It helped me more than med- taking medication would for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of how I, that's how I navigated it for the most part. I think I did. I think I did a pretty good job. In it. Yeah, I, I we'll, we'll get into this specific topic a little bit later. But I, I, of course, think that's a huge skill of yours that you were able to just feel everything as it came to you. Have you always been that kind of person? Is that how you've always processed emotions? Or was this kind of a change from what happened? Yeah, uh, for, for the most part, I think as I got older, you know, because I mean, growing up as a as a boy, you know, I think we all know kind of boys are taught a lot of different things when it comes to emotions. But as I got older and I began to uh, realize that my body would just feel a lot of different, even if it was emotions that I was just unfamiliar with, I was it was kind of like maybe these are emotions that I felt as a child, but I just kind of hid or mm-hmm. blocked off because of what I was taught. So as I got older and I realized that my body had so many emotions to feel that I just I would just allow myself to feel everything and just sort of sit within it and deal with it and navigate through it and see like kind of what where these emotions come from and what do I do with them. So I think that's how I learned as I got older and then kind of up until my age now, it's helped me out. So I love that. That's so powerful that you've always been able to be introspective. Has your family and your support circle always been that way as well with you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um I, I my family has always been um supportive in that way and emotionally supportive 
And yeah, I really have um, no complaints about the kind of support they've given me, whether if it was in the past or if it was within this like recent journey. Now it's always kind of been uh, thing. It's always kind of been the type, the type of support that will help me navigate through this kind of situation. Wow. How, how was it for them seeing you go through this struggle? Yeah, it was, it was definitely rough for them mm-hmm. from the day, every, from the night, everything happened up until I me mean, up until this very day. Um, mind me. So I left, so kind of, yeah, so part of the story, I left ICU like really early because I think cause the doctors at the hospital, they just believed that I had like enough sort of support and care at home to kind of be cared for there. So um, I was kind of left in my parents' hands. And they were the ones who kind of like nursed me back, like back to health until I was able to do stuff for myself. So um, I know for them, it was a lot. My mom, my mom actually stopped working because I, I moved in. I had to move in with my parents. My mom, she stopped working. My dad, um, he was the only one working. And my, my younger brother, he lives with them, too. He was, he was help, helping take care of me. So my parents kind of like they, they lost a lot. They lost out on like a lot of, I guess, money from their jobs and like a lot of different things because they stopped working to come and help me. Mm. And yeah, so and it was definitely hard on them. It was, I think for them just seeing me in pain physically, like literally, and then seeing me in pain like emotionally and mourning and grieving and that kind of thing. I think that was the hard part for them. It seeing me because I know before everything happened, I was just very independent. I was working like two jobs. I was in school. I was kind of doing a lot and just moving a lot and always on the go. And for them, I think seeing me sort of stationary and not being able to do much and like very dependent. I think that was kind of one of the hard parts for them as well. Just seeing me like seeing me need a lot, mm. but they they weren't they weren't really used to it. So I kind of became a baby again. Yeah, my my mom is cool because she's like I'm her like <laughs> her baby boy. So she was like you you still my baby boy. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll always be the babies of the family. I feel like that trait never really goes away. Oh yeah, never goes away. <laughs> um, and you said you had one other brother. Actually, I have so I have five siblings total. Wow, um, that's amazing. Big family. Yeah. <laughs> I have an older brother, have two twin sisters, and I have a younger brother. Damn. Do you guys all live in Florida? Yeah. Well, one of my sisters, she actually lives uh in New Jersey. The other one, the other my um older brother and my other younger sister, they live in Tampa. And then my little brother, my baby brother, he lives with my parents. Wow. I must have, I bet that must have been really tough, especially during COVID times, because if it was last year, it was pretty new for COVID. And I'm sure, you know, oh, nobody yeah. knew what to do. I bet that was really strange to like go th- navigate the situation of, oh, my family can't even come in here and see me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was um, I think in the, the restrictions for the hospital, um, they put up the restrictions like literally the day of the day I went into the hospital, like right after my family. So like the night, the night everything happened, it was my family. Some of my family was there and then my fraternity brothers were there too. So like literally like right after they left, maybe my, my dad mentioned like five minutes after they left the hospital, he got like an alert to his phone saying that, oh, the hospital has cut off all visitation because of COVID restrictions, et cetera. So it was, it was strange the way everything kind of played out. Wow. Your fraternity brothers were there? Yeah. A few of them actually. That's so cool. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm a part of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and uh, the night everything happened, it was it was it was some of the guys in my fraternity that I'm like that I'm extremely close to, and they kind of knew what what happened uh, through my older brother because because my brother he's a part of my fraternity as well, so they kind of found out what happened through him, and then they that's that's how they got all the information, and like they all kind of got together and like in one car and drove out to see where I was at. And then even when I got out of the hospital, I think some of the first people to come and visit me was um with my fraternity brothers. And I think and even then, my dad was kind of amazed at the kind of support I got from them because I was I was in like a I was in like a fairly it, the room was it's not small, but for the amount of guys that would show up to see me, it was small. And it was like a bunch of like maybe like 12, 15 guys piled up in one room around, or like sitting around my bed just to come see how I was doing and that kind of thing. This is when I got home. So, yeah. um, yeah, the support, the support has definitely been amazing. And yeah, a lot of these guys I've, I have a lot of these guys, some of these guys I knew before I joined the fraternity and some of them, um, I met when I joined it, but for the most part, we now have like this lifelong friendship and brotherhood, brotherhood, definitely after experiencing how they kind of engaged with me while I'm going through all this as well. So, damn, I mean, and that's, that in itself is so huge because, Men have such a hard time, like notoriously kind of showing love like that. And yeah. for you to go through this really traumatic thing and to just recover through this outpouring of love, I'm sure that's such an incredible bond. Definitely. 
Wow. Have you always been really spiritual? Because I read a lot of your things, um, especially, you know, after after your accident, I've read the things on your website, um, and, and you do talk about God and your faith a lot. Um, is that something that used to be really strong for you even before the accident? Um, yeah, definitely. I grew up in the, I grew up in the church and, um, yeah, so it was, it was for the most part, it was, uh, it was, it's just in the family. And I think I began to not necessarily stray away, but sort of delve deeper into it and become more flexible in my sort of faith and spirituality as I got older, because I, I began to know more and learn more and understand things differently. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely, my faith has definitely, definitely been something that I've carried with me since I was like a child. So it was, it was, it was, uh, it was nothing new to sort of engage with it after going through something like this. I think I had more questions mm. about my faith as I went through this, if you want to, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Did you feel like it made your faith stronger during this? Or did you feel like there were moments where you were kind of like, well, why, <laughs> why would this happen? Honestly, the answer to that is like, it's both. Mm. So I think it was it was both me. Um, I just had so many questions, and 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 it was questions that um like honestly that I I probably may like not get answers to, which I was I began to be okay with, in my in my like within my own self, and and I think it was outside of that it definitely caused me to grow stronger in my faith, wow. in many ways. But I think I, I began to see and experience uh God differently as as time went on. And, and learn things. And and I think it, it definitely it grew me in that way. Wow. So I think, yeah, the answer to that is kind of both of them. I, I had questions, but even then, while asking those questions, I began to grow stronger. And so. I think that's really powerful in itself because it would be really understandable and it would be really easy to fall into this, like, well, why would this happen to me, you know, if God was there, if there is this faith? Um, but I think it's, it's really amazing that you used it to pull you closer to something that was so important to you. Um, I, I love hearing a uh, reading rather what, what you write. Is that, is that something that you've done before the accident as well? Because the way you write is so beautiful. You can tell that you've been doing this for a while and that you're really speaking from the heart that all this stuff just seems to really flow naturally for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it is something that it is uh, a way that I've been even prior to all that is happening. Um, I think I, I've never engaged, engaged with it. My, with my faith the way I have the way I have recently or the way I do now because I've never experienced something like what I just experienced mm-hmm. so I think that is one of the things that is that all this whole experience has done is caused me to to engage and navigate my faith in a way that I've never done before so in, in, in that sense it's it sort of um, helped me mature in it but for the most part, even prior to all of this, I think I was I was very intentional about how I how I engage with my spirituality and um and that kind of thing. So wow, well, and just your your writing in general, like you you talk about a lot of really deep topics. I mean, even spirituality aside, have you always been really creative in that regard? Yeah, and writing, I, I think writing was something. It's funny because writing was something that I never even it's something that I've always been good at, but I was I was never intentionally trying to be good at for the sake of saying I love writing mm. um, in high school. It, it was, yeah, from high school, it was just kind of a thing where it was like, I had to write, to, I had to write really well to get a good grade in a lot of, a lot of different classes. So, and I think as, as time went on and I saw how, cause I was always very thoughtful mm. and I saw how thoughtful and descriptive I was when it came to a lot of different things. And, and it was like, Oh, well, you, you're, you have this kind of personality trait or this characteristic of yourself and you write really well. So you can kind of put those two things together. And you always have a lot to say about a lot of different things. So I think as all those things kind of came together and I began to just, I began to naturally write. I started writing in like maybe 20, I started writing and sharing it with people in 20, like, like 2014, I wow. think. If I were you, yeah. Were you writing before that, but just like not sharing it with people? Yeah. Before that I was writing, I just wasn't sharing it with people. I just had like a journal or something. And I, as, as time went on, it was like, oh, maybe, maybe you can like, um, write in a way where people can, can can relate to you and you can share it and maybe it maybe it'll it'll either help someone or someone can kind of um use it as some kind of tool or some kind of like compass to help them navigate their own their own world so yeah were you ever in any like creative writing classes that led you to do this kind of writing i was not which is something i regret not doing 
Mm. I regret not taking a creative writing class. I think it would have helped me in a lot of different ways. But for the most part, my um like creativity and even the ability to write well uh, was something that I kind that I had to sort of pick up along the way and learn for myself and to read a lot. Did that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Do you read a lot? What do you What do you like to read? Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to get into like uh like nonfiction type books. Okay. And like or like like those kinds of things, which is hard because I'm like I have a hard time reading things like mm-hmm. like stories and that type of stuff. I like reading stuff that's like factual and like maybe like history and that kind of those kind of book those those kinds of books. So I'm trying to get into reading nonfiction and, and that type of stuff. So, but for the most part. At, at my age now, if someone gives me a book, say, "Hey, you should read this," I wouldn't, I wouldn't pass it up. I would take the book and read it. Okay, so you're open to anything, but is there are there any um, topics that you really prefer to read about? Uh, but yeah, I'm, when it comes, well, particularly when it comes to the things that I love, like um, just like African American history, or even philosophy, or even like like rap and hip hop. When it, I'm like, I, I try to be like a historian mm. because I just want to know a lot of stuff when it comes to the things that I care about. So, um, like those are, those are the things that I kind of sort of, um, uh, move towards when it comes to reading and then anything else outside of that, you know, someone has to like offer it to me for me to read it. So. Oh, okay. I saw that on your website, you called yourself a hip hop theorist. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me a little <laughs> bit about that? Yeah. So like for me, for me, because I care so much about it and I think about what it has done and what, it, what hip hop and like rap can do. And what it has the potential to do, I think I like I theorize a lot about a lot of different things, as far as just um, its origins or or like where I see it going, or even the people in it, the people in it who like are artists and that kind of thing, who like who create projects or create art. I like to theorize about what their art means or what it's trying to say or what they're trying to communicate by making this song or that song or these lyrics. What are these lyrics trying to say? I think that is what I mean when I call myself a hip hop theorist. I just I have a lot of different ideas. And, and theories about the stuff that I hear and the stuff that I see when it comes to hip hop. Wow. Have you ever made any kind of music yourself? Oh, man. I So <laughs> people kind of joke on me about it because I, I I have back in like 2017, but it will, no one will ever hear it. <laughs> <laughs> no archived. one will ever hear it. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I feel like you could do some kind of spoken word. Since yeah. you're so good at writing, that would be powerful. You know, it's it's one of those things where I don't know if it's I don't know if it's something that everybody has, but it's one of those things where I don't I don't like the sound of my I don't like the sound of my own voice. Yeah, I feel like you have to kind of be okay with hearing yourself speak. Yeah, one. it's one of those things. Oh man, that's funny. Um, so then saying that, who are your favorite artists? Oh man, so um, some of my favorite artists right now, I would say kind of so my top two are uh, J Cole, of course, who drops the album tomorrow. Oh wow! Um, Kendrick Lamar, and outside of those two, I'm having a, I'm like I'm sort of bouncing between a lot of different artists, but those are like sort of my top two right now. Those are a good top two. I read in one of your articles that you mentioned something about liking Drake, which really surprised me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You Drake. either like Drake or you think he's corny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, nah, no. Nah, I actually I, I like Drake. I think um I I don't think he's he he can be corny. I will say that, <laughs> but for the most part, Drake is an he's an he's an amazing artist. I think, and yeah, I, I support a lot. I support a lot of if not all of his music. So, yeah, I like Drake. <laughs> I, I do too. I was I'm actually in like the top one percent of listeners on Spotify for Drake. So <laughs> I, I hold that award proudly. Um, I know that recently there's been a lot of uh, documentaries on Netflix and stuff about um, hip hop artists. Have you ever been into any of those kind of things? Yeah, so I watched um, the evolution of hip hop. I'm on season like I know it's like four seasons, three to four seasons to it, maybe more. Um, but I, I've definitely I've been like sort of um, working through those through those seasons, and I actually I watched the um, a four part documentary. I watched it like two or three times actually about the Wu Tang Clan, okay. which was really amazing. Actually, I'm 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 writing a piece on that as well, kind of like just a a review. So um yeah that I definitely uh, I try to get into like a lot of and I think a notorious BIG he a Netflix um a documentary on him was released on Netflix last month so I'm very picky on the documentaries I watch because it's do- it's a documentary doesn't have like um like interviews or maybe like like thoughts from the person that it's about or the people who the documentary is about is is not in are not in the documentary I probably won't watch it because I don't think it's like credible or I don't think it's like 
authentic. So yeah, I'm very picky with documentaries I watch. Wow. I, I've started watching the Biggie one. Um, there's a couple episodes long, but I'm looking forward to watching that. I think his story is really interesting. But mm-hmm. I, I think that's the beautiful thing about hip hop. And I'm sure you can elaborate on it. Um, I feel like people who just look at or just take it surface level kind of think it's just about like having a good time and yeah. whatever. But if you really look at a lot of these hip hop artists, it's really it's really storytelling. It's about how they grew up and their values and beliefs. Definitely, definitely. It's um, it, I think it, it's definitely um been sort of a an open mic for a lot of different people who come from different experiences. And and you think about an open mic is like for anybody, anybody can come up to the mic and say whatever they want to say. And I think that's what hip hop has been. It's just because it's open to everybody. Anybody can do it because everyone. All you have to do is just have a voice. So I think hip hop has been that. I mean, at its at its sort of at its conception has been that. And even now, as it, as it's expanded, it's been like that for a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and experiences. So, and it and it, it may it may even continue to sort of um, uh, change as time goes on. But for the most part, where it's at now, and what for what it's been, I think it's it's definitely done done more help than it has harm. So that's why I really love and appreciate it. And I think it's it's been very therapeutic for a lot of people who probably wouldn't normally have the capacity to speak about some of these things. Yes, definitely. Um, I read one of your pieces about, um, you said black boys don't cry, which I think mm-hmm. that was a huge one. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, I, I think it, it's one, it's one thing growing up um, just around a bunch of men. Um, just around a bunch of men. I think the way you're taught to engage with your um, emotions is very different. But I think even growing up as like, a young black child, a young black man. I think tears in them, tears in themselves, in itself, in themselves, are seen as like a no-no. So I think just in, in getting older and embracing that, I, not what well, it says, black boys don't don't cry. We're taught to not cry, mm-hmm. but I believe that it, it's okay. It's okay for us to cry, obviously, because I've cried a lot over the last few months. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I think I think it's just that thing of uh growing up being told that it's not okay to do that or um, being told that we kind of have to silence our emotions and our feelings and that kind of thing. And it's sort of pushing back against that and saying that, no, in reality, I think you should engage with your emotions and you should let, like, let your tears run down your face because that is, that is a part of who you are. That is a part of who we are. We cry. We're humans. We're supposed to cry. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of where that comes from. Absolutely. And I think men get a lot of this, whole stigma that you know you can't feel emotions you can't cry um do you feel that black men especially have this like stereotype thrust upon them that they have to be like this strong no emotions kind of individual oh certainly certainly i think and i've I've even i mean thankfully it's strange because even coming up i feel like i've saw my father cry more than i've seen my mother cry Mm -hmm. in a lot of different occasions i think that like that visual in itself kind of helped push back against that so I think that's why it was easier for me to like embrace my own tears and that kind of thing. But I do think that for the most part, like young, like black men are really taught to sort of uh, be the strong ones and and be the alpha males and that kind of thing. And I just I just think that they're there. We, I think we can challenge that. And I try to challenge that. Do you see that changing in the future? Because right now we're in an environment where people you know, thankfully are paying more attention to black lives matters and all of these movements. And frankly, people are just giving a shit more, which is, you know, that in itself is great. I mean, it's about time. Do you feel like that stereotype and that stigma, um, that black men don't cry? Do you see that changing? Yeah, I definitely see it changing. Um, um, and, and I, mean, I, I may be saying it because I really believe it, or maybe saying it, saying it, but just cut because I'm very optimistic, but I do see it changing in the near future. I think, uh, we are becoming a lot more um, aware of not only just trauma, but just like our emotions and and what emotionally emotional intelligence is and ways to sort of navigate our emotions. And I think as we're as we become more aware of that, I think going into the future that will uh, take steps towards uh, liberation and freedom in that area of our life. Wow. Do you do you write all of the things that you write in Ames? for people to read it and to kind of resonate and feel okay in their emotions? For the most part, yeah. There's definitely a lot of writing that I have that um, 
the world may see or that the world may never see. Mm. Um, it, it just depends on kind of kind of how what I feel like um, it can do for people or the direction I feel like I can go with it. But for the most part, um, yeah, I, I, that's not I don't, I don't think that's like the first thing on my mind when I am writing. Mm. But after I kind of go through and like read what I wrote, I'm, I may think to myself, wow, somebody could probably read this and it could do something for them, you know, mm. for lack of this. Is the whole like embracing your emotions thing? Do you do you promote that a lot in like your fraternity and and with your siblings? Oh yes, definitely, definitely. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, so you said that that's not at the forefront of your brain when you're writing. Um, so then, what is at the forefront of your brain when you're writing? What do you? What really drives you or gives you the motivation? Like, oh my god, I, I got to write about this. Um, I, I think it's just having. So it starts as like it it, tra- it, it kind of goes from like my journal to my laptop. So it starts with I have so many thoughts on whatever the topic may be, and it, they can't just sit in my head. I have to kind of get them out. So rather than kind of just talking somebody's head off all day about it, I I rather write about it. So I kind of I write it in my journal, and if it kind if it gets to a point where it's just getting very like long and extensive, whatever the case may be, I kind of transition it to a word doc on my laptop and what and it, it may be like one sort of one sort of topic and then i think it kind of i think that's kind of how the process goes and then it's like wow i think i think uh, other people will want to hear about this or read through this as well and it may or may not help someone you know so i think that's kind of how it it's kind of how it goes hmm. did you find yourself writing more after the accident oh definitely yes i found myself writing a lot more after the accident than before wow I think that's a really powerful like coping mechanism that you are able to kind of put your your emotions into words and then put that on paper. Yes. Yes. Um what was what were some of like the hardest things for you during your recovery then? I know of course you had to relearn how to walk. Um what was that what you would say to be the most difficult part? Um it, it, and it, it's strange because I I'm, I'm, I remember like I was uh, I was walking one day because I would take like I when when I was when I became able to again I would take walks um through my like through my uh, apartment complex and I was it was just like I never I never seen I never imagined myself having to relearn to walk again and I think the um, the hardest part was um I think it was it it, it was for the most physically the hardest part was um just regaining strength in my legs again. Um, it was stretching um, and just uh, making sure that my muscles were loose. Well, that was extremely painful. Um, and it was so my left leg had like a lot of a lot of nerve damage, mm. and which nerve damage was it just messed up kind of the way it's like just the the connection between my mind and my muscle. So because the muscles wouldn't really know what to do, or like my foot couldn't move in certain directions because the nerves were messed up. So I think that it, that was and sort of had even then it's still hard to this day. But it's it's been like so much progress, and it's nowhere near as hard as it used to be. So, um, the, the those are some of sort of the more the hard the harder things. We're just um, I guess outside of walking, we're just like addressing some of the nerve damage that I had, and yeah, just strengthening my legs and and um, becoming flexible again and able to move and being mobile again. Have you ever had an injury prior to that? Yeah, so I was an actually I was an athlete in high school, and I played one year of college football. And in high school, um, it was it was a it was an injury nowhere near to the injuries that I had. But in high school, I sort of um, it was like a really bad sprain I had in my ankle and I think in, in my shoulder, I um had a really bad injury there as well. But it was um there were never any like really like broken bones or like torn ligaments or anything like that. They were just sort of light injuries. Wow, I've never broken anything before except I've like broke my nose. Um, so I, I really can't even fathom that feeling of like, oh, my body's just not cooperating with me right now. Yeah, I meant that was really strange. Were both of your legs affected in the accident? Yeah, so on um, my left leg is where the I had like really I had a lot of like nerve damage in my left leg, and my right leg is kind of where um my um I right I fractured my ankle actually. I think my ankle. They say they say it came like through the through the skin. Wow. And um, on my right, my right calf, like down the leg. What they did was they gave me a skin grab. So they took a piece. They took skin from like another part of my body, and they covered it. They, they like the a, part, a chunk of my left leg was like, I guess like missing. Mm. So they like skin from another part of my body and covered it. 
which is skin. It looks really good right now. Well, it, it looks good for what they said it for how they said it would look. They said that it should hold up really well, mm. and it look and it looks um it definitely looks as good as they said it would. But um yeah, so like those are kind of the injuries that I had um in my leg. So my right leg was my ankle, and my left leg was a nerve damage. Wow. Did you have internal in- injuries at all? Um, actually, no. I, not that I, I don't think so. No. Oh, that's I good. have to check with the doctor. But every, anytime I go back, they always tell me something new about, oh, you had this. And they're like, oh, I wish you would have told me that. <laughs> this <laughs> long list of all this stuff that happened. Wow. So yeah. do, you, do you have to go back pretty frequently? Now I don't, actually. My my next appointment probably isn't until, like, next month. So okay. um, at first it was, like like, once every week or once every two weeks. But now it's just, like... Like I go like every like three months. So wow, is that including your physical therapy? Physical therapy, I go to uh, twice a week. Okay, and how how even is that? that then? Even that has been cut down. It was um at first that was three times a week. Now it's two times a week. Oh wow, that's that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, I saw in your video that um your physical therapist it looked like he was really excited about your progress as well. Um, what has that relationship been like? Wow. So this, the funny thing is my physical therapist is actually my fraternity brother. No way. That's so Yeah. Cool. So it, so the, it, it's two things. It's my fraternity brother for one. And um, it's my fraternity brother who actually is in my same chapter. So he went to the same school as me and everything. Wow. So, um, and I, it's, it's funny because I found out that he, um, so the way it happened was when I, when I, um, when I, when they gave me, uh, when the doctors cleared me for the physical therapy, they were. They showed me the facilities that I could go to, to for physical therapy. So the first one we tried to go to, they um said that I couldn't for certain reasons, and because I had to go to a certain doctor in order to have physical therapy there. Mm-hmm. So we found a place that my um that I go to now, and I was looking at the schedule because they had my schedule next name and in the name next to whoever I would see, and I saw the name, and I was like, this name looks just looks so familiar for some reason. And the 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 woman who kind of saw me the first time, she said, yeah, this is the guy you'll be with next week. He actually is at USF. Um, he went to USF and graduated there. You probably know him. So when I saw his name, I kind of went to our fraternity group chat, and I was looking through the, the members of the group chat. And I'm like, oh, this is my this is my um, older fraternity brother. So I think that's when I um I hit, I hit up like a few guys and said, you is this the guy is in our chapter, right? And they were like, yo, that's like that's your fraternity brother. That's your physical therapist. So then I went and when I, and I saw him, and we kind of greeted each other, and it was like, yo, wow, this is. This is amazing, man. And that I feel like that's fate too. Like who who better yeah. to help you through this extremely difficult process than somebody who you know really has your best interests at heart? Yeah, definitely. What was that relationship like? I mean, from the start and then to now. Um. So it, I, I me and him had we actually had um, met before, um, briefly, and we were kind of we were um vaguely familiar with each other. And he told me that he kind of he saw the story of everything that happened to me before I came in for physical therapy. He, but he would just never would have thought that after all of that, that I would come to him for physical therapy just by chance. Mm. So um, uh, prior to that, we had met briefly. And I think as I started going, me and him have kind of built like a a very um, uh, a, a very deep relationship. I actually did his podcast once as well. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, I did his podcast once as well. And he gave me a free copy of his book. And yeah, he just, he definitely, he does a lot. And um, he's he's very good at what he does, and he's been very good at what he does. So, um, yeah, I'm really thankful that that you've had that relationship. When the accident happened, was it really big news for like in, in your area and at your school? Yeah. Um. So the my, my story actually it went to the school newspaper at USF, and um, as far as the area, I think I I don't I think a lot of people yeah area for the area it touched a lot because a lot of people who I kind of went to middle school with and even like high school they were kind of contacting my parents or contacting my family members saying hey do you know this happened to Jaquan or hey how is Jaquan doing so for the most part it, it ended up reaching a lot of different people. Wow, have you been back to campus or have you still just done everything online because of COVID? Yeah, hey, I've done everything online. Okay. I think it'll be, what do you think it'll be like when you go back to campus whenever that actually oh, happens? Oh man, it'll feel, it'll feel new. It definitely will feel new. Yeah, um, I bet. Yeah. Um, because you do so much writing, do you feel like you'll ever write a book of your own? Yeah, I actually plan on working on that in July. Wow. Will you make it about like your experience and your journey or will you make it about something different? Um, I, th- I think it just depends. It depends on where I'm at emotion emotionally and the kind of place space that I'm in. Because I I think recently a lot of my writing has been about my experience or about something that's like 
sort of connected to that experience because that's sort of the place that I'm writing out of right now. And I think as my healing continues and as time goes on, when I'm in like a different place, I will write from that place. So, I, and I think that's kind of the case with just anybody who creates any kind of art. I think you create sort of from the space that you're in. Mm. So if you're like, if you're in a space where you're like, where you're kind of experiencing something traumatic or, or if you, even if you're in a space where you're like healed all away from experiencing something traumatic, I think you write, you either write or create from that space. So that's kind of how your art comes out. So I think it just depends on where I'm at. Huh. I look forward to whenever you do write that book. I think that will be really powerful. Um, so since you do have this website, and of course I'll put the link to this in the bio, um, are there other ways that you try and put your writing and your, your work out there? Um, it's honestly right now it's just through, um, through my, yeah, through my website at, on, on the medium. And I just put it on my social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Do you ever think about like bringing it anywhere else or ever doing like, I know we talked about the spoken word, um, but would you ever kind of put all of those pieces in a book or something like that? Yeah, I, I, th- I think I, w- I would think about that as well, sort of making it like a book and include all of my like, even the writing that's not on my website, I would probably put the pull the writing from my journal or thing that no one has ever seen or writing that I have hidden in my laptop. I will put all of those as well and put those in the book, is, in the book uh, also. Do you have a lot of written pieces that you saved in the drafts? Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of stuff. Either I didn't I didn't think it was good or I just probably never finished it. But I definitely have a lot. <laughs> How do you decide which ones are going to make it onto that site or not? I think I think I, for some reason, I just feel like I know mm. um, just reading it. And I, I, I would just say to myself, oh, this is this is really good or this is this could be good or this is trash. So it just it just depends on how I'm feeling and kind of how I read through it and how I sort of how I engage with it. Because I think for any kind of writing or any kind any piece of uh, that's anything that you create, when after I write it, I try to step away from it mm. from like maybe like a day or how however long I need to. I step away from it and I come back to it with like fresh eyes. Mm. And when my, and when I read through it after having like with fresh eyes, I can kind of say, wow, this is really good it kind of because if when i read to or read, read it with fresh eyes it doesn't feel like mine anymore it feels like someone else's and if i say wow this is really good then that's how i know it's kind of it, it's it's something that i need to share wow wow um this is kind of a well i'll ask that later um when it comes to your writing process do you have any kind of um spiritual kind of ritual that you do or are you just like oh, i feel like writing i'm gonna sit down and do it it's literally, I fly writing, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> well, that that works. I mean, you're just kind of going yeah. with the energy that you've got, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask, and if you're not comfortable answering, that's totally fine. Um, but since it's been a year since the accident happened, are you approaching dating at all? Um, uh, that, I, I I don't, I honestly, I can't answer. I can't answer that. I don't know, honestly. That's okay. I mean, I'm sure it would be really hard at this time. Um, hell, dating on its own is hard. So trying to go through this entire yeah. experience and and balance everything that you're dealing with. Um, do you still talk to your girlfriend's family? Oh yes, definitely all the time. I, I'm. I actually have a closer relationship with their family. Wow. Well, with her family, excuse me. That's. I have a closer relationship. I call to her mom like maybe once. I try to talk to her once a week, if not twice. And and her uncle, um, he calls me all. He calls me like to check up on me pretty often. And her sisters and siblings and stuff. Yeah, we're all pretty close. That's beautiful. Do you were they there um, a lot during the your recovery process? Um, yeah, definitely. They they actually came and saw me when I got out of the hospital, and they actually they came from Miami. Wow, so, I'm sure that was which amazing. Is like, yeah, it's like four hours from where I'm at. So oh wow, her, her her younger sister goes to the same school. Goes to the same school as me now. So, yeah, we were definitely pretty plugged in with each other. That's amazing that you can stay connected to them. I'm sure that's really nice for both of you. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any kind of um, ceremony or anything to honor your girlfriend after um, you got out of the hospital? Um. So, I, yeah. So, unfortunately, I missed um, the homegoing service and all of that because I was in the hospital. Even after that, um, uh, her birthday was February 4th. And they, they did like a, they had like a Zoom call for everyone to get on and they had a balloon release for her, which I participated in. So um, I think and then they have a foundation for her as well wow. with a, um, where they give out a scholarship. And it's kind of just remembering her legacy. And I think because she just she actually just uh, received her master's degree. Oh, wow. Uh, through USF. Yeah, she was in math. She was in graduate school. So 
yeah, she was definitely doing a lot. And her family has started, they started a, f- a foundation in her name just to remember her and all the things that she did and the other things that she was doing. So, um, yeah, I think in, in those kind so I, I did, they not, nothing really formal they had after, but they are doing a lots of things to still remember her. So I, I participated in all of that. Wow. That's great. What is the name of the foundation? I'll make sure that I include it in the information. Okay. Um, it is the Janae Sunflower Foundation. Janae. And I'll tell you how to spell Janae as well. Okay. I saw on your website that, um, you wrote something about sunflower something, um, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. let me read it because it said I already read too much of your things. Um, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about that one if you're comfortable? Yeah, so that actually was a story about um, about my girlfriend, Janae. And I, I think I just, I kind of uh, told the story of how we met. And then I went on to tell the story of uh, of um, last year. And I think it was a, it was around the time uh, we had been going to like a lot, a lot of different protests. And we had been just doing a lot, and it was, it was, it was, it was just a lot of things sort of going on, just like politically, and it was very emotional and that kind of thing. And I, there was a lot, there were like a lot of people sort of dying to the hands of whether it was to the hands of like police brutality or any kind of like, uh, like racially charged action. And I think one morning she woke up and uh, she was just very emotional. And I was, and I was trying to. At first, I thought it was just like a, a woman thing. So I was kind of keep my distance just because I didn't understand it. <laughs> but um, eventually, um, uh, I just I tried, I kind of pressed in a little bit and asked her what was going on. And um, and mind you, this was almost like a month before everything happened. Okay. And I, I don't remember the exact date, but I know I just I remember the I remember that it happened. I remember the exact date. And when I asked her what was wrong, she um she just started crying and she said, it "Just feels like everyone around her keeps dying." Oh. And I think that is just, that's the story I told in that, and I think I kind of I kind of led up to it by, by talking about a lot of different stuff, but that was kind of the story that ended it. Wow. So um yeah that was um that was and I and I, I refer to her as um our sunflower our sunflower child because sunflower was her that was her um her favorite flower. I love sunflowers because so they're so full of yeah, light. She, yeah, she loves she she does she didn't like roses because roses to her represented like death. Mm. And because of how they look when they die, but some flowers were her favorite flower because they represent life. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I call her our, uh, our sunflower child. That's beautiful. I think that's such a nice way to honor her as well. What's the story behind this picture? Because I saw it on Twitter as well. And I was like, wow, this is such a beautiful picture. Like you can see the love between you guys. Um, mm-hmm. So what's going on there? So um, last year, we actually took those. We took uh, a lot of, a lot of those pictures last year for uh, Valentine's Day. Mm. And one of my fraternity brothers again <laughs> he actually he he he's a, a photographer his name is devin uh devin bolden he is a photographer with his own photography business and that kind of thing and he um we saw the i saw the pictures online well i saw i saw different pictures actually and i sent them to him and said hey can you do these pictures for us and he sent me back those designs he said hey how about i do these i like these better wow. so we kind of came to like a sort of deal and he did them for free actually wow and uh, yeah and he he we uh, met up and he took our pictures and they came out really nice. And those were the ones that you see. Those are so beautiful. I love seeing those. You could just see how happy you both are. Yes. Um, so I, I know that, you know, you've been doing your writing. Your physical therapy has been awesome. But I also have been seeing that you've been going to the gym. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how does that feel to be able to, like, go from a wheelchair to now posting flexing pics, trying to get some, trying to get <laughs> thick? Oh, man. So it's it's, it's strange because, um. I mean, so kind of backstory, I lost like in between, like just the time I was in the bed, I wasn't eating a lot. It was some days that I just didn't want to eat off. My appetite had kind of just been wasted. Um, I ended up losing like maybe like, like 30, 35 pounds. Mm. So um, when January got here, I would, and I was kind of like up and using a cane. I went, um, I was like, I got to get back in the gym. You know, that was kind of like my first thought is I need to gain some more weight. So when um, I ended up uh, going to the gym, like at first it was like every day. And then it was like, I was just kind of, I was um, switching it out between like when I would go to physical therapy, I wouldn't go to the gym. Then the next day I would go to the gym and that kind of thing. And um, so I, and it was, it's, it's strange because I remember when I got back in the gym, um, cause I was, I, you know, I mean, I was an athlete and I was kind of, I was a pretty big guy. So when I got back in the gym, I was, I was only able to lift like, as far as like bench press, I can only like lift with like maybe 25 pound plates on each side. Mm. And now I'm kind of like, I'm like up past like the 275 range again, Damn. because I was just, I was just so consistent with it, but it was definitely like, 
it was it's definitely been something that I enjoy I've enjoyed seeing the progress of. But it's just been like that in itself has been a journey as well. Just sort of getting my physical strength back and finally being able to squat with weight on my back and um put weight on like put weight on me when I like move around and that kind of stuff. So it's been a journey. Wow. Were you ever interested in the gym really before this time? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. That's cool. Do you have any other like gym goals? Or are you just trying to do as best as you can day in and day out? Oh man, I'm just trying to prepare for the summer right now. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get ready for the summer. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, and good for you though, because I'm sure you know you've gone through enough humbling moments. I can, again, I can't imagine what it's like to relearn how to walk. I'm sure that just feels really weird on a human level. Of like, damn, I'm supposed to be able to do this. So yeah. good for you for having the bravery and the courage to put yourself again in another very humbling and possibly insecure moment in the gym. Yes, thank you. Um, I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. It's been an honor to hear your story. Um, what What's next for you? I know you're in school. Um, how much you got left and, and what are you looking to do? So um, my, my classes actually start uh, on Monday. And um, yeah, I got, like th- I got like four classes left. So I'm taking two now. I'm taking two in the fall and, you know, be done. So um, right next is just graduation to just kind of stick into that and stand on that path because I think a lot of um, going through all this type of stuff has just made my, my vision, my dreams look very blurry. So I think just kind of like refocus and kind of when that vision clears up, I kind of see where I want, what I, where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do again. And it's right now it's kind of, it's clearing up again. So I can see, so I can see the road again. Wow. So I think it's just graduation. And then I, after that kind of sort of transitioning into like what I see as my new life and just seeing where, where life kind of takes me after that. Wow. So do you feel like this whole experience has just given you a new outtake or an outlook on, on life? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Wow. Very much, very much. What kind of advice would you have for somebody who might feel like their vision is unclear? I mean, of course we don't want anybody else to go through these kind of things. And it's, it's so amazing that you have gone through this so that you can share your experience. Um, what kind of takeaways would you like to express to other people? Um, I think, I think for me, I think I, I would tell them kind of what I, what I figured out with myself. And I think it was the reason I was so unable to kind of see into the future and see what was, see what could be or what was going to be or what, what I wanted to happen was because I was so busy looking at the now. And I think it was, it was hard because I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, trying to pay attention to the now. I think just um, understanding and embracing where you're at right now will maybe, maybe kind of prepare you better for where you're headed to. Mm. I think that's what I had to do. I kind of had to like, um, just look at myself now and look at the healing, look at the healing and the things I was, I was going, I was going through now and, or in the moment. And I think when I'm kind of able to deal with that and see that for what it is and engage with that, then the, the, my vision began to clear up. So I just think just embrace everything you're feeling again, just embrace where you're at right now and live in that and prosper in that and growing and then after that happens then you'll probably be able to move forward wow do you feel that um because of your journey you were able to witness that healing isn't truly linear definitely you heal you you have to heal all across the board not in just one place wow i think i think that's so beautiful and so powerful because a lot of people will go through these tough things and think like okay i've made it on the other side and and now i can step forward when really if your if your mental space isn't ready to do that there's no way that you can can grow there yeah wow that's incredible and i know that you're into hip-hop i know that you're very spiritual are there any resources that really helped you during your time that could be helpful to anyone else who might be struggling um honestly there's nothing in particular outside of just like i would i would just listen to music um there was there was nothing sort of um um what's what's the word i'm looking for there's nothing like specific that i was sort of like um, run to because I like, or anything specific that I run to because I needed healing from that. But I would just like listen to music or I would just journal. And it was, it was just normal things that I would always do. I think I began to do them more. And I was against as I began to do those things. And I think also, um, just the things that I like to write that, that I like to do. So like writing and reading and whatever the case may be, I think just doing all those things even more and things that, I, that make me happy was what, um, were what helped me sort of heal. Wow. Thank you so much again for this. It's been truly an honor. Um, so I'll put all of the information in the bio of this episode, but can you tell people where they can find you and find your work? Okay. Um, yeah. So you can, if you can find me on Instagram, 
Uh, you can type in Quan Hosey, so K W O N space Hosey, H O S E Y, or my ad name on Instagram is Black underscore underscore. So it's Black underscore Boy underscore Sing, and so that's my Instagram. And on Twitter, you can find me at um at the Heart Part Five. Awesome. Thank you so much. I It is, again, been an honor to hear your story. Thank you for being vulnerable with us. And yeah, I hope everybody goes and checks out your story. We're looking forward to your book when that comes out. <laughs> Thank you so much.